Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. Hello, hello. You are currently listening to Off the Record with me, James Collins, and and me, Carlos de los Santos. Whoa, 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 Carlos de los Santos. You're not Jordan Dean, my usual partner on on said show. I'm not, indeed. Um, I've kidnapped him, and uh, he couldn't he couldn't be here today because I really wanted to be on this show. So there you go. Amazing, amazing. Uh, well, yeah. Anyway, uh, this is Off the Record. This is a show where we explore different artists that we love and bands and the music that they create and everything that they do and yeah this week i'm joined by the absolutely wonderful carlos de los santos um so thank you so much for coming on um thank you for having got, me on we've got a big band this week um we've got my favorite band of all time i, I, I would say uh this is why i really wanted to be on the show and i'm mm. actually so excited to be talking about the one and only strokes come on yes 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 which i i feel like you know to anyone listening that's never heard the strokes before they're one of those bands that you've definitely heard their music you've you, you know it's in every like type of indie film um yeah yeah it's it's it they're they're, they're a very well-known band for a band that people probably wouldn't necessarily like go to their gigs or like have their albums for say yeah they've been around you know they've been around for over 20 years now or yeah. so and they've had quite a few like number one hits so like mm-hmm. i feel like they're the kind of band that even people who are not into that kind of music would have would have heard some of their songs for sure um but it's actually fascinating to kind of dive into the the story and like kind of where they came from and how yeah. You know, some people might say that they are the ones who saved rock and roll music, you know, from uh, from being forgotten forever. So, Amazing. Um, there you go. Amazing. Okay, so uh, we're going to crack on uh, with the first album. This was a huge album. Um, huge album. Monumental for, for music as a whole. Uh, what are we going to start off with, Carlos Del Santos? Uh, we're just probably going to, I think it's fair to start with the first single that they ever released, uh, which is called Last Night, and it's an absolute banger, and then maybe we can chat a bit about it after. Amazing.
Crazy. What a song. What a such, song. A, such a huge song. Such it's, a huge song. It's just amazing. You know, it's, uh, I mean, for that to be the first single of a band. It's crazy, um, right? It's just absolutely crazy. I mean, you can really see and understand why uh, the album went absolutely nuts mm -hmm. um, in the charts and across America and the UK as well. Mm -hmm. uh, just mm -hmm. by hearing that track. Um, it's just so amazing. And it's also, I mean, it might sound very familiar now, but it's mm -hmm. not what it was trendy mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's quite interesting to hear it to hear it now. Well, that's the thing. Just to add a little bit of context um, on who the Strokes are, it's like these five guys from New York, right? Um, Childhood friends, which is a fun fact. Amazing. That's very cool. Um, and uh, obviously, this album was released in two thousand one, right? Yeah. So, and I think it's quite important as well to understand what happened with this album is to talk about the EP that came before that, mm. uh, which was called the Modern Age EP. Cool. Um, so the Strokes formed in 1998. They were rehearsing tirelessly for two years and gigging in every single little bar that they let them in New York City. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and they got to a point where they played the Mercury Lounge, which is like not not a big venue. It's like probably 250 cap venue. Mm. Uh, and they around the time they probably had like a 12 track set. Um, and they were so amazing that the main booker at the venue, uh, a guy called Ryan Gentles, decided to quit his job. And right. take them on as their manager. That's insane. Uh, and after that, they recorded a little demo of three songs, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. one of them being Last Night, um, and then the rest is kind of history. And actually, I think it would be really interesting if we heard the demo, the original yeah, demo yeah, yeah. of that song, yes, we've uh, got it, yeah. Last Night, which was released in 2001. And just as a kind of interesting fact, mm. it was dropped on the Enemy website as an MP3 that people Man. could download for free. And that's, that's kind insane. of how it all started. It just feels like such a bygone era, doesn't it? Because it's like, yeah. you know, we, we kind of grew up in a, in a post-strokes Yeah, world. definitely. <laughs> um, which is weird, but I suppose, like, when you cast back to, like, 2001, um, this kind of, like, unpolished... Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's like... I was listening to a podcast on them, and they were kind of saying, like, the references back to, like, bands like the Ramones and, and stuff like that, where it was, like, Absolutely. very punky. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, like, has that energy when the world really was going more towards like way more polished Absolutely. produced pop which was like very synth bass etc etc and obviously you know at the time you had albums like OK Computer and stuff like that you know Radiohead mm. early Coldplay um, yes that was like guitar heavy but it wasn't like guitar as guitar led as yeah, this absolutely like I, w I would say it wasn't like the classic you know band of like guitars bass drums yeah, and yeah, like yeah, a yeah, rock yeah, and roll yeah, vocal yeah, you know yeah. uh, is that this is definitely that coming back which mm. is amazing it's super interesting because like, um, you know, when you, I, I was reading about how they're all like very heavily influenced by blues, like all of them uh, individually. And um, they were saying sort of like the characteristics of blues being that it's so heavily guitar led and yeah. that like, you know, it's, it's the way that like a guitar sings essentially in blues mm. music. Um, and they're able to like, you know, th there was an amazing quote from one of the guys uh, in Beck who basically said, like, after the death of Kurt Cobain, um, you know, so many bands had tried to revitalize that energy, that real, like, ability to communicate through through the guitar. Mm. Um, yet, you know, no one had been able to really do it until the strokes. But then, like, once that, once that standard had been set, it then, like, completely revitalized indie music and kind of created a, a brand new wave. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think, we, I mean, the the, the, de- the entire decade from 2000 to 2010 would have been completely different without the Strokes, mm, I think, uh, in terms mm. of all the bands that came after them. They kind of established a scene uh, in New York, really, with there, there was so many other bands like Interpol or like, mm, mm, you know, there's so many other bands that were contemporary to the Strokes that mm. probably arguably would have never existed without the Strokes. Which is kind of crazy to think that they'd done that on their first record. And, you know, mm. like, and, and last night being one of the first you know, singles that anyone had ever even heard of. Yeah. That's crazy. That's, that's insane. Yeah. There's, well, they, it's, it's quite interesting to, to kind of read about how there were, you know, the, the five, the five members are, you know, quite different characters and there's, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's loads we can say about them and, you know, they, they have done some controversial things, obviously, as, <laughs> as every rock star has of course, done. Of course. Um, but there was one thing that they had very clear and they were so focused from the beginning and mm. they rehearsed every night for like two years nonstop. Nice. Um, and a fun fact about that demo actually is that it does have that kind of rough sound and that kind of like old school stuff, but it's actually recorded to click, ah. which is one of the things that most kind of rock and roll bands at the time refused to do because yeah, they yeah, were yeah. like, oh, that's like too pop, whatever. That's yeah, like selling yeah. out. We're not going to record to a click. And the Strokes are like, no, we're going to sound tight as a band and we're going to record to a click. So um, cool. that's part of why that song sounds so tight yeah, yeah, is because yeah. it's actually recorded to a click, which is, I mean, nowadays that's like, yeah, everyone records to a click, but back at the, back at that time yeah, it wasn't yeah, that yeah, common. Yeah. Uh, if you wanted to be like a real yeah. rock and roll band, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> just some added context as well. It was um, produced by a guy called Gordon Raphael, um, who was just kind of an unknown producer at the time. Absolutely, um, he yeah. just discovered them. Um, I, I sh- I'm sure through like the live scene or whatever. Mm. Um, and sort of in retrospect, he remembers like looking back on it. Um, he he said like uh, essentially he loved the music and he thought they were great, but that they were kind of like 20 years late. Um, that it was, mm. it was very much, you know, part of a movement that was gone and didn't necessarily appreciate sort of the impact that it would have or, or that it would have the ability to like revitalize, you know, a, a, like I said before, like a bygone era, mm. um, which is amazing. You know, like it's crazy. Obviously, you know, nineties was huge for Britpop, but that was, it was even still, it wasn't, it didn't have the same energy that this did. No, absolutely. Um, which is crazy. And obviously like, you know, Britpop was a huge movement, um, but you know, led by the Gallagher's. You know, it was led yeah. by it was led by personality mm-hmm. more so than 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 being led by by guitar music, essentially, right? Yeah, um, it's quite ironic that you mentioned about Britpop because obviously, you know, there was a label in the UK in the nineties where you know most people know Rough mm. Trade, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, super relevant um, label in the UK that then went kind of bananas, uh, <laughs> but. Actually, the Strokes were the first band that they signed after they kind of reestablished the label. It's crazy. So it kind of, you know, they they were the ones to release that that EP where this demo was was mm. was was a part of, you mm. know, and um and I think that says a lot about you know where the Strokes come from and like where music was going at the time. Mm. Um, you know, that whole guitar scene being like revit, re- revitalized. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amazing. Uh, what are we playing next? Uh, so we are going to play New York City Cops, which is one of my favorite tracks of uh, of the first album. Actually, um, is this it? And a fun fact about it is that in the American release, uh, this track does not feature uh, because it's got a lyric uh, that says uh, New York City cops, they are, they ain't too smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously in the context of 9-11 and the American label being kind of like, oh, that's a bit kind of like, that's going to incite some riots. Yeah, yeah. They uh, swapped it over for, for another for another track, actually. So that track is not on the, on the American release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. All right. Well, this is uh, New York City cops by The Strokes.
So there we just had a couple tracks. Um, so we played obviously New York City Cops. Uh, we then played Hard to Explain and Trying Your Luck. And it's so, it's, there's such a clear sound on this album. It's really cool. Mm. Um, I think like, you know, as far as sort of like music history is concerned, um, it was definitely like a shifting moment, I think, especially for, for 2000s and like for welcoming in that, that 2000s sound. And mm. um, obviously you've made into music before um yeah. it's like it's one of those things though right where it's like yeah, without it's, albums like this it's very like difficult to see that like butterfly effect yeah um it's it's kind of i mean it's kind of going back to the basics really but it sounds very obvious but no mm. one was doing it mm, mm, um mm, mm. and it's actually i mean the way the album sounds is very very interesting because just for a bit of context like this album obviously is the debut album by strokes called is this it uh released in 2001 and this is the follow-up to their EP that we were just talking about before. And yeah, yeah, after yeah. that EP, there was like, there was a massive like major label war over the strokes. Like everyone, crazy. Wanted, everyone wanted to sign them. Which it doesn't sound major label, That's, like in the slightest. Yeah, that is the fun thing about it. Uh, because, you know, obviously the, the, the first thing was when Mental, like all major labels were like, oh, we want to sign them. Mm. And eventually RCA signed them for five, rep, for five albums. Um, and when, when, the, when the people at the label heard this, the mixes for this record, they were like, mm. we're not putting that out. That sounds <laughs> that sounds wrong. Like there's actually this conversation between the label and the producer where the label were like, "We can't put that out. That sounds awful. Mm, mm. It sounds like it's not mixed. It sounds Hilarious. terrible." And they were like, "This is our product. We're putting this out. This is yeah, how it is. We're not going to remix it. That's how it has to sound." Um, which is amazing. Yeah. Well, I, but it's part of it, right? It's like it's part of the fact that like that's who they were. That's what the that's what the identity was. But like you know, at the end of the day, like they weren't making a record to sound like anything else like they were making a record to try and you know reignite something that they felt was lost from music right absolutely um, yeah. and there's so many elements in, in that record that you know some of them stayed throughout their careers some of them kind of went away but I mean to me there's two main sounds there that are like throughout the record that sounds exactly the same all the time and it's so unique and so yeah, new at the yeah. time which are the drums and the vocals you know like the drums sound like they're wrong it mm, sounds like they're mm, like mm, recorded mm. really badly <laughs> It, like they sound really thin and like awful yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah, awesome yeah. and like obviously julian casablanca's vocal is super distorted which is you know something that wasn't that you know it wasn't that done at the time mm, you mm, know it's it's mm. quite a, it was quite a new thing so um i mean those two things is kind of throughout the record does like the distinctive sound yeah, of that yeah, record yeah. which is yeah it's amazing really it's really interesting because we we did an episode on amy winehouse as well and um I think like there's there's definitely you know from from the same type of energy where she was like around all the live venues and stuff in Camden where you had like um, all these incredible bands that came through from there um, and you know with with sounds of like the early sort of like UK early two thousand sound of like people like the Fratellis or like um, I don't know you you would know more any bands from the UK at that time uh, people like the Vaccines yeah. and, and and stuff like that it's like it's amazing to see you know. Or, or to see the impact that, you know, those dingy venues, those dingy venues where like stuff sounded terrible, yeah. <laughs> but like how they fell in love with that energy, fell in love with that sound. And that's therefore how it's translated to live. Um, and the whole point of it is it is it isn't polished. The whole point of it is that, you know, it mm. sounds, it shouldn't, it sounds like it shouldn't be on the radio, which is, which is super cool. Yeah, definitely. But it's, I mean, it's that kind of, it's it's ironic because it's not polished at all, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. actually really it's thought through. You know, it's been completely thought, intentional. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, all yeah, intentional. Yeah. Like it's not like they just did it and it came out like that. It's mm. like no, they actually intentionally did it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, which yeah. I think is the beauty of it. Intentionally yeah. making something sound like wrong. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. There was this um really interesting uh like episode that Matt Wilkinson did on this album, and he's kind of talked about kind of like when he thought back to to this period and in. in sort of his life 
he realized um, there was kind of like a shift, like a cultural shift where, you know, like mainstream retailers went from kind of, you know, the Britpop, um, very much like Oasis themed stuff. Um, and it started turning into like, you know, scruffy like suit jackets mm. and like everyone started wearing Converse. And like, yeah. there was like, there was like things like that where like, you know, the strokes were, were four leaders in that where, you know, they had the ability to, you know, create something radical enough for it to really like affect into mainstream or like like mm. have that knock-on effect into mainstream absolutely listening and a mainstream you know popular culture which is really cool yeah um and i think you know it's 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 one of those things like obviously it's very easy to look back on it and go cool this was the impact this is what happened blah blah, blah. but um you know it's it, it must have been really strange to live through that and obviously absolutely. you know as we mentioned before like 2001 being such a huge year especially for new york with with 9 11 mm. um you know it, it there was definitely a shift in the world at that time yeah. um and i'm sure you know I, you know to, to to live through that you definitely would have felt like there was like this this brand new energy around that year obviously new millennium and everything else but yeah yeah crazy absolutely. crazy time yeah. absolutely crazy time definitely i mean if you think about what was on the radio at the time you know it was spice girls yeah Backstreet boys Britney and Spears. then yeah, and then on the rock on the rock side, you had like new metal, which is like probably the worst thing that humanity has ever come up with, you know. And had uh, it hit uh, first. Uh, yeah, so you know, and then and then these these rich kids, because that's I mean, they all were rich kids from yeah, New York, yeah, you know, and yeah. and it's quite interesting to to kind of they all came back from like really um, really rich backgrounds. Like obviously, Julian Casablancas is John Casablancas' um, mm. uh, son. He was mm. like one of the main like talent agents mm. in the world, really, like models and whatever. And obviously, Albert Hammond Jr. being uh, the guitarist is obviously Albert Hammond Senior's son. So like they were all from like very wealthy families. Yeah. And like, what is it that kind of made these five teenage kids um, come up with this music and like, you know, kind of come up with a revolution really in my, in my opinion, it's quite interesting to kind of dive into that, you know? And I mean, what is it that they had? They, did they have just enough time and money in their mm. hands? Or like, did they have a, a, a really kind of aim to make a cultural impact? It's quite interesting. To I, was just gonna, I was just going to say like, you know, you could always make the argument that like they were in a fortunate enough position to have the exposure to like these early bands and these early record yeah. collections and stuff that, you know, other kids just wouldn't have heard. And, um, you know, when, you know, there was, a, there was an interesting point in one of these articles I was reading where they were kind of referencing bands like, you know, Velvet Underground. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, you think about that movement, you think about Andy Warhol and like yeah. the energy that came with that. Um, yeah, in sort of like 2001, like the Velvet Underground weren't, you know, uh, music hall of like rock, rock and roll hall of fame. They they were like, yeah. they were just a band that got dropped. Like, yeah. you know, they they worked with Andy Warhol one time, but like, wasn't that great, didn't lead to anything kind of thing. So it was really strange for like a band like that to recognize genius in something that, you know, popular culture didn't see that, you know, absolutely, um, which is really interesting. And I, I don't know, that's the thing. I don't know whether that comes from a place of, you know, they had the ability and the freedom to to be able to experience albums like that. You yeah, know? maybe. And, and I think there's also like, especially in this first record, like there's a certain kind of energy coming from that kind of teenage angst. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Of that yeah. kind of frustration that I think most kind of white male teenagers had at the time. Yeah. Uh, and, and and I'm sure that they, they had it as well. I mean, you know, especially Julian Casablancas was already at rehab before having put in put, put out this record you know Insane. like he, he had a drinking problem before even becoming a rock star so you can imagine mm, how mm, that went down mm. after afterwards <laughs> um so so you know there was there was all of that kind of you know 
being a rich kid, but actually going through like, you know, maybe unloving parents and like them being kind of let let by themselves to kind of grow up on their own kind of yeah, thing. And yeah, there's also yeah. that energy coming through. Definitely. They just want to, they want to break everything that's going on at the moment and kind of make their own thing, which yeah. I think it's just something amazing. Yeah. Very interesting. Super interesting. We're going to jump onto another one of their most famous tracks, right? Let's do it. Um, this is a track called Someday.
and there we are that's the end of is this it um which is amazing huge album what a record but we're moving on we are moving on we're skipping ahead two years um to 2003 and we have the release of room on fire um so yeah talk to me about this album so room on fire it's actually i would say and i would argue for a second album which you know you know for most bands it's quite a tricky album dreaded yeah especially dreaded. especially after having like such a hit record mm. as a first record obviously the strokes have never sold as many copies of, as they did of, of is this it that's of you know that's kind of a given but Room on Fire actually had a really good, uh, really good response from both the you know critical acclaim and also from the fans. Um, I, it's I would say is one of my favorite records, and mm-hmm. it definitely contains my favorite song. This is twelve fifty one, but um, mm. which we'll play in a minute. But a really fun fact about this one actually that I found out this week mm-hmm. is that um, before recording in the studio, what we actually know as Room on Fire, they went in to record um, with uh, Nigel Goldrich. Yeah. Um, who is uh, one of Radiohead's, well, you know, he's really well known for his work with Radiohead. Mad. Um, so they were kind of halfway there recording the album and they decided that they didn't like it uh, and they didn't like working with him. So they were like, no, we're going to stop that. We're going to go back with our with our guy who did the first record. Mm. And I mean, it just kills me to think that no one has ever heard those tapes. It's insane. It's they insane. must be sitting somewhere in an office, in Obviously, someone's office, and no it. one's ever heard it. Obviously, we're talking about like early Radiohead, very early Radiohead. Yeah. But like, you know, it's getting to the point of like, OK, computer, where like mm. it's starting to get a little bit more experimental, um, which would have been crazy to think like the strokes going down that direction of like. Yeah. Yeah. You would have up. thought so. Um, strange. Super we'll, strange. We'll never find out. And also, there's not really a lot on like why or what they didn't like about it. Mm. Um, mm. it they just kind of, you know, at that time, you know, they were like probably, well, I mean, arguably the biggest band in the world. So I guess. They didn't really have to give uh, many explanations about anything. They were just like, yeah, no, we're not. We're not doing it. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Which is in- interesting. In terms of the songwriting of this album, I mean, it's it's quite similar to album one. Um, Super angsty. Very angsty. Julian Casablanca is still le- leading the party, which, you know, we'll, we'll see that later kind of changed that and mm-hmm. it created some problems. But with, with this album, it was still like him writing the songs and mm-hmm. the band kind of arranging them f- with him. I was going to mm-hmm. say for him, but that sounded awful. <laughs> with, with him. Um and uh, and yeah, so uh, I think we could we could we could listen to to a song. This Amazing. is my favorite song. Your from favorite the song? Do you want to introduce it? It's called Twelve Fifty One.
1251 by The Strokes. Yeah, great song. It was great the first song. single of the record. Mm. Um, so this is kind of how they came back. I, I would argue it's a perfect way to come back after yeah, yeah, record yeah. number one. It's interesting because like obviously you've got the inclusion of synths um, mm-hmm. there. Uh, sounds very like early 2000s synths. Very like, yeah. you know, like still like, if you know, to, to imagine it in the same sort of category as like early Coldplay, early Radiohead, it, it fits in, in regards to sort of like the, the sound expression. Definitely. It feels, it feels tighter. Like, yeah. It feels less shouty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it, it is definitely a bit less uh, less angsty. I guess it's obviously, you know, they kind of lose, they drop that kind of drum sound a bit. Like yeah. the drums sound more like, and I think it happens like when you when you kind of listen, and we're we're gonna hear it t- today. You know, when like when mm-hmm. we go through all, all of the albums, you there's kind of a clear progression where as you go on, the drums sound more normal mm. and there's more synth. There's yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah, like a yeah, clear yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Uh, trend there. So I guess yeah. this is the start of like the stroke sounding a bit more like, I guess, I mean, I, I guess you could argue that that has to do something with the, you know, something to do with the commercial success that they were for having. Sure. For, sure. Um, for sure. And you know, them actually wanting to become for real the biggest band in the world. Yeah. And which I think they were at the time. But like, it's not, they're not, it's not selling out. It's not like making commercial steps that, no, it's going away from that sound. Like it still mm. very much sounds like the Strokes, and still very much sounds like it could be on the first album. Yeah, um, it's just it's just like a natural development of just exploring yeah. different sounds. I mean, they did get a lot of criticism with this album for it sounding too similar to the first one. Interesting, um, and that was that was a that was a big thing. Obviously, you know, critics they they just love to cri- to criticize oh, yeah, album yeah, number yeah. two because it's yeah. just like everyone hates it and everyone has to think that it's awful. But actually, you know, I mean, hear it now. There's def- there's definitely like things that are different, mm, um, mm, and mm. sure, yeah, the songwriting's the same, like it's the same songwriter, but I think sound wise is is definitely a bit different than than the first album. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. But it's quite interesting they got Chris a lot, like heavily for it. it that was like all Criticals talked about, and it's like yeah, oh, yeah. it sounds the same, it's the same thing again. Mad. And um, the next track we're gonna play is a track called Reptilia. Yeah. Um, this is the one that everyone knows. Everyone will know. <laughs> I mean, it's it's yeah, it's the biggest track on on Apple Music, biggest track on Spotify, right? Biggest track by The Strokes, uh, for sure. Which is that's... crazy to think, you know, released in two thousand three and all the music they've released since. Yeah, this is the one that's that's, that's stuck with the most. It's crazy. Yeah, I would say like you know, all all the three first records have singles that everyone would have had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- I would I would like to think. Uh, obviously, it changes after that, but um, I would say that Reptilia is probably the one that everyone kind of knows, and it's crazy. their biggest track. Fun fact, Enemy plays Reptilia at number 123 on its list of 150 best tracks of the past 15 years. Which is crazy. I would say. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. This is uh, Reptilia by The Strokes.
all the tracks have incredible endings. That is, that is a good point. It's always so good. Yeah. Like, it's always such an abrupt... It's like, yeah, it's such an abrupt stop. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's so satisfying. Good. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. And it makes you want to hear it again. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's, you know, from that track... Um, and I think one of the main things in this album, this is to me the album where the strokes really nailed the whole guitar sound like the right. whole like strokes guitar sound when yeah, i think yeah, about yeah. guitar strokes like the strokes guitars is like this album is perfect right mm, mm, and it's i think they really got it you know with nick nick valenci the lead guitarist and with albert hammond jr the the rhythm guitarist that you can really see how they're working together and how like all the parts kind of complement each other they're really listening to each other um mm, mm. which i think it's it's really amazing and um and another another thing from this record as well which kind of gives a bit of context of like where they were with this, with their lives, I guess. Mm, mm, mm. It's like, if you listen to the lyrics, you know, like I, I really like that. I said, please don't slow me down if I'm going too fast. It's like, you know, I just, you know, and you know, the whole like the night's not over. Yeah. It's that yeah, kind of yeah. like, you know, we're rock stars now and like all they talk about on this album pretty much uh, is, you know, New York nighttime. Uh, going hard. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. Which, you know, it's, 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 you know, definitely kind of reflective of like where they were at with their lives, you know, mm-hmm. like they they were, yeah, they were smashing it. So like, mm-hmm. so that they were having a lot of fun, you know? Um, and they talk about that in the lyrics. And I, I think the way that Julian Casablanca is kind of like says like things in a very explicit way, but without giving it away too much. Um, it's quite an art the way he does it. I think yeah, this record yeah, is, is yeah. really good for that as well. Yeah, it's cool. I think I think you know, like there isn't a band that that captures that angst as much as as much as like early stroke stuff. Like you know, that's the thing. Like obviously, I keep making these references back to like Radiohead and stuff, but like similar sound, completely different type of artistry. And you know, Absolutely. Tom York's achieving something completely different. Same with same with Chris Martin. Yeah. Um, you know, achieving something completely different lyrically. Um, whereas yeah, it's kind of like you know it's got that punk energy to it you know it's it's yeah. it's it's the ramones it's it's sex pistols it's it's that era of of sound and energy Absolutely. um but just yeah transported to to, to a modern day music yeah. industry which is cool which, which is great when like i mean I, I, it just kind of came to my mind when we were listening to trying your luck earlier which mm. is one of the tracks from is the set like that's quite like if you if you listen to the lyrics in that track it's quite transcendental like everything's quite about you know what? What you're gonna do with your life? Mm, like mm, that mm. kind of like it's actually quite deep. You know, like it's, it's him kind of talking to this girl and like, oh, you know, are you gonna get a job? Like, what are you gonna do next? Like that kind of thing. Whereas this record, it's just like I don't care about all of that, <laughs> like all of that stuff. Uh, I just want to have fun. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, That's all I want to yeah. do. It's like it's quite a shift. Um, I think they go back to like you know being a bit more serious after this record. Mm, but like, mm. I think this record, it's just. I mean, and you know, and the next one as well with that track, you only live once. I mean, that kind of encapsulates it. All, yeah, yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. I love that. Well, without further ado, I mean, the track's called "Next Track." We're going to play is called "Meet Me in the Bathroom." So, um, <laughs> so yeah, this is uh, this is yeah, uh, the seventh track from the album "Room on Fire."
just like that, we're moving on to another Strokes album. So we're skipping ahead another uh, another three years to 2006, and we got First Impressions of Earth. Another great album. Um, I would say they start getting, well, not for me, but for, for most people, they start getting progressively a bit less good. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but I think they all have interesting things. Uh, yeah. And I'm actually, this, this album actually has one of the, one of the songs that like probably has the most kind of story behind it and mm, that had a mm, mm. I would say that still has like a big impact on like on like our nowadays kind of culture. I think it's it's still very relevant, which is the yeah, only yeah, yeah. ones which we're gonna play next. Uh before we move on to that though, it's uh, quite fun to kind of recommend to whoever's into all of this. Um mm. the we just had Meet Me at Bathroom, uh and that's also a book uh written by Lizzie Goodman. Nice. Um which kind of summarizes the whole kind of New York rock and roll scene post 9-11 mm, um, mm, and it's mm. a book with over 200 interviews that she did to like people who were like actually you know in that scene and mm. who were like a, bit, a big part of it Crazy. Um, and you know just to name a few bands apart from the Strokes you know there's the you know the Yeah 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 LCD Sound System Interpol and Vampire Weekend like nice. you know all super relevant bands that were part yeah, of that yeah, same yeah. scene um, so yeah really really recommendable read super interesting um, so yeah let's, let's talk You Only Live Once um, let's obviously, talk about that I feel like the title suggests uh, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of well. It follows on for what we were talking about before, doesn't it? Like mm. that is is that kind of like hedonistic approach to like life, I guess. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and that's the way the Strokes were living their lives uh, as individual characters. And this is the last album they released before going into like a quite of a long uh, hiatus. Mm, uh, mm, so mm, um, so yeah, so that's why I think this album is important. And I think you only live once. It's got probably, in my opinion, the most beautiful lyrics that uh, any Stroke song um, mm, has ever mm, had. Mm, mm. Um, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the story that it tells, the way it tells it, uh, and just the sound uh, is amazing. Even the music video is really cool, um, yeah. which uh, has all of the Strokes playing in a kind of in a room. And then suddenly the room starts filling up with this black liquid, which uh, yeah. just for whoever's interested, in it, it's actually coffee. No way. Um, yeah, that's how they made it. So it's actually coffee <laughs> that starts filling up the room and they kind of the kind of you know um it, it kind of goes up to their heads and they're still playing their guitars and that kind of thing so it's i think it's a really good metaphor of you know what the song talks the, the song talks about um and it's a cool music video amazing uh well without further ado uh this is you only live once <laughs> Others 
Everybody sees me, but it's not that easy Standing in the light field, standing in the light field Waiting for some action, waiting for some action Over by, won't you come over here? So they just had juice box. That was the first single from that album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, quite a different sound there. You can really yeah. kind of see where it's going. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it definitely moves away from that first and second record on that on that on that song. I would say feels like the strokes are spiraling a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's quite interesting what it goes after this. To be honest, um, and I think you know, taking "You Only Live Once" as a as you know as a, as a song that can help us understand a little bit mm. where 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 it all kind of went after this. Um, Again, as we said, on the first three records, it's Julian writing the songs mm-hmm. pretty much uh, to a point where he's pretty much having a very clear idea of how he wants the, sa- the song to sound, even when he's just writing it on his, on his own with a piano, with a, with a guitar. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to go into the fourth record, Angles, which is one of the most hated records about the Strokes. Right. I actually love it, but it's like very controversial <laughs> to say that. I would say it's one of, I would say it's my top one album. It's uh, but crazy. it's very controversial, and it's mm. actually the first record where everyone in the band was allowed to come into the studio with ideas of their own. Cool. cool. Uh, so you know you can now that we're gonna hear actually there's something really interesting, which is the demo 
the original demo of You Only Live Once, mm. uh, which is on the third record. And you're going to hear how clearly Julian Casablanca has had it in his head. And then you can imagine why the fact that everyone was allowed to come in with ideas could be a bit problematic for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Cool. This is I'll Try Anything Once. Ten decisions shape your life. You'll be aware of five about seven ways to go through school. Either you noticed or left out. Seven ways to get ahead. Seven reasons to drop out. When I said I can see me in your
another amazing end. That like, is true. It's, <laughs> it's, it's incredible. It's uh, under, under Cover of Darkness uh, by the Strokes from, from the album Angles. Yeah. Um, super uh, cool sound. Really cool sound. This, I mean, to me, this album is fascinating. Way uh, cleaner. Way cleaner. And uh, you can really tell that there's more people having ideas here. Yeah. Um, yeah in yeah, my yeah, opinion, yeah. you can, you know, the guitars are like, just like a bit more wild and mm, like the mm. drums go like a bit wilder again at times you can really see i think you can really hear that everyone's having a bit of more input here on the mm. on you know in the, in the songwriting uh just to talk a little bit on that demo that we played before like we were we were saying sort of off air um about how like you know he had such a clear idea of that that guitar line that when he was playing it on the keys yeah um and like that must have been so frustrating as a band member as a guitarist um to have the guy who's writing the songs literally write it perfectly on a keyboard do you know what i mean mm-hmm. and then and then just be like yeah cool just play just play that on guitar Honestly, it's written. when i heard that demo i think to me that demo it really has something so special about it and mm. um obviously then it then turned into the the you know the actual you only live once but yeah, like yeah yeah that demo has something so special about it and because of the lyrics to me i know there's like an overstatement but like to me it's like the modern like the, the like the 21st century imagine mm. like to me mm-hmm. you know and in, in, in the way that you know that the chords work and in the way that the lyrics um happen and yeah it's just when i heard it i couldn't believe that he was playing the lead line it's crazy the, the guitar plays and on the record mm. on a piano just kind of like you know trying out the melody yeah, and he's yeah, like, oh yeah, yeah this yeah. will do and it's yeah. like one of the most iconic <laughs> guitar like lead lines that, that that you've heard like in the history mm. of rock music really mm. um mm. and and it was written by the singer on a really kind of you know like a toy piano really mm. it's mm. it's just it's yeah it's just crazy so like to go from that song and that demo into angles to me is just fascinating. Bear in mind there was a there was a there was quite a long period in between these two records where they mm, just took mm, some time mm. off. Mm. Um, so like, is it from two thousand and six yeah, to two thousand eleven? Yeah, five years. Yeah, five years. Yeah. So they were like, in all those five years, they kind of disappeared from like the Strokes has disappeared. Like they were all focusing on on, on their own uh, solo projects. Was mm. uh, like, the Albert Hammond Jr. had released his own record, and like mm. Julian Casablancas was doing The Voice, which is like his other band. Um, and he did another couple of things. I think he did the Daft Punk track in that in that mm-hmm. time as well, which is a great track. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they kind of all went and did their own thing, and then they came back and they were like, "Cool, we're gonna make another record now, but we all want to have a bit of input." Yeah, and yeah, obviously, yeah. Julian's like, "All right, well, I guess I have to do this now." <laughs> so they decided to go with this uh, with this very kind of big producer called Joe Ciccarelli. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done like you know massive names, Elton John, whatever you two, you name it. Mm. They went into the studio with him and didn't work, which is again second time this has happened. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They feel like it didn't work, and they decided they were going to record this, the the record at uh, Albert Hammond's studio. So mm-hmm. they just mm-hmm. went to his house, and they were like, "Okay, we're going to do it here. We're going to do it ourselves. We want to experiment, um, and we want to kind of, you know, just have a, have a bit of a play with the studio and like mm-hmm. with the studio mm-hmm. technique, and actually using the studio as an instrument themselves, uh, which I think is fascinating. Super cool." Sadly, there's so many interviews about this record and everyone hated the making of it. Really? Uh, there was a point where the band members were going in separately, <laughs> like to make, to record mm. their own parts, like not talking to each other. It's it's quite a sad story when you kind of hear interviews around the time and how much they hated the process, probably because they were just so like not used to it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. probably Julian Casablanca yeah. is being like, oh, I kind of hate this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but it is, it is, I think it's fascinating how, how it came out. And I, I just despite the fact they hated making it, I think it's such a good album and it's got like three or four amazing singles in it. Mm, mm, um, so yeah. yeah. One of it. which I'm sure we're probably going to be playing next. Absolutely. Uh, this is a track called Machu Picchu. 
say that's the least strokes ending of Surely a song that we've had this whole not, time because it's not like final yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It it's just of... like it's just a nice resolve <laughs> and it's just like not doesn't feel like a strokes it's ending too nice. at all. it's yeah, too yeah, nice yeah, yeah, yeah. For strokes ending but i mean like also like very good it example of the change in direction and i'm sure like you know yeah that was that was probably quite a conscious decision to to you know almost like reinvent the, the way that, endings. Yeah, yeah. The, the world. It's like it's like you know when, when everything's so uniform mm. and so too kind of like a, a prescribed way of doing it. Like I'm sure it's actually quite freeing to be able to do stuff like that, have moments like that. Yeah, I, th- I think you know I think this record is such a bold move, like to try and do this. You know, mm. and and Mm-mm-mm. I mean it it is a very hated record, and 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 it gets a lot of hate mm. from fans. Um, yeah. Not as much as the next one that we're going to play now, which gets hate even from me. <laughs> Uh, but Angles is one of those records that, to me, they they, they you know represents that kind of like we're trying our best here mm, to mm, move mm. on and and to to not become like that kind of band that, you know, that becomes boring after like two or three albums sure, and it's like sure. always the same. You know, like mm. they were generally trying um, to make something new and to you know to achieve something different. They 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 knew that what they had done up till that point worked. Mm. Uh, they could have just done done the same again and it would have been fine for sure um but they decided to actually they said let's go to our own studio let's do it ourselves let's experiment you know let's spend time and i think it's the same that some of the bands contemporary to them were doing at the time and i mean that's probably what the Atti monkeys were doing at the time yeah, as well you yeah, know they were yeah, like okay yeah. let's let's go to a different setup that we we're used to and let's do it ourselves kind of mm, mm, so mm. um yeah so i think i love the record i think it's a it's a bold statement i think there's only one song i'd don't like from that record which is you know uh which is amazing so um yeah angles yeah very insane. hated but great record now let's 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 go on to some serious hate um so we're moving on to 2013 so it's two years later we've got come down machine um it's now real, real come down yeah first first thing that strikes is the album cover yeah um, so it's a it's a really fun story really uh of how the music industry sometimes is not perfect yes uh so obviously as we said before if you remember after the first ep there was a big major label war over the strokes everyone wanted to sign them Mm. uh the label that eventually signed them was rca uh you know massive record label i mean they also have kings of leon and like they're they're like they have loads of like really big rock bands um and they signed a five album deal Mm. so Mm. they Mm. were obliged to make five records Mm -hmm. with rca um 
we we've we've been for four so far and at this point the strokes are burnout as we said angles didn't go that well in the mm-hmm, studio mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're not really getting along very well yeah they really don't want to do another record mm. uh but they just have to because uh, they're contractually obliged to do it um so as a kind of you know as a kind of not as a joke but as a kind of sign of protest i would say against the fact that they had to make a record the cover of calm down machine is just the logo of rca uh, which was the record label, which yeah, is like, yeah, yeah. well, this is not really our record, it's your record. That's so the thing, it, it, it screams ownership, doesn't it? And like yeah. complete ownership. I mean, the RCA logo that's way bigger than the Strokes name in itself. Yeah. Just kind of, it's just like this this ominous presence uh, yeah. over kind of like who they are and, and, and what the record is. Yeah. Um, super interesting. And like, you know, I think the one thing that's, that's present throughout all of the albums, especially seeing sort of like from that first, those first steps, they're not an out. Sorry, they're, they're not a band that like takes anything from anyone. Like they very much mm. do their own thing, um, and are in their own in their own lane, heading down their own direction. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing to see that you know, like twelve years after the band were releasing music, uh, began releasing music, they still have that attitude of essentially it's just like you know, this is what this is our music, this is our yeah our thing, this is what we're doing, and and don't really care about what yeah. other people I mean, want to say about it's it it's a whole punk attitude isn't it really? yeah yeah, yeah um, absolutely it's like i think that there's there's so many things that they've done throughout their career and said that's a bit of a of a like yeah we're not going to say what you expect me to say yeah, kind yeah, of thing. yeah like yeah, you know yeah. like for example with the first couple of records that like everyone was this came to my mind everyone was comparing them to television mm, uh mm, 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 to, to that band and they were like they were like yeah it just sounds like television you guys should be big fans and like julian castlebankers would say in every interview never heard of him which is like obviously he'd heard of them. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, all yeah, over yeah. it. Like, of course, yeah. it's a bit, it must have been an influence for mm. the, the way that the record sound, but he's just like, nah, I'm not going to buy into that. <laughs> I've never heard of them, you know? Um, I think there's a lot of that in this record, but sadly, I think it's by far the worst record. It's quite interesting. They were so done with it and they mm. so didn't mm. want to do mm. it that there was a media blackout with it. They didn't do any interviews. Crazy. There's no videos. They didn't do any telly like appearances. There's nothing. Bad. They just recorded the music because they had to they put it out. They disappeared. Crazy. We're only going to play one of the tracks from this album, right? Only because we have to. Only because we have to. But uh, it's, yeah, it's actually an all right <laughs> song. Uh, yeah. If it was in any other record, we probably wouldn't have yeah, played it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's but right it on. is that's actually right the only one we can, we can say from this record, I would say. Um, I mean, some people might disagree, but I've actually never met anyone who says like, that this is a good album. It's, it's, a good it's album. just yeah, a yeah, bad yeah. album. Yeah. So nice. That's, that's okay. Nice. Well, without further ado, this is Welcome to Japan uh, from the album Come Down Machine.
Not very strokes. Not very anything, really. Yeah, yeah, um, no. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, you know, it's just one of those albums. Um, yeah. They just had to make. Um, and to be honest, at this point, 2013, they've been a band for, what, 15 years? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they, they must be tired of each other at this point, especially after having had a couple of bad experiences. Um, also, you know, at this point as well, a lot of things started to change in the way that the band kind of toured and, and and the way they were behaving themselves mm. as well uh mm. well there was no tour for this record thankfully um but uh but obviously there had been world tours before and uh obviously some of them went a bit off the rails as we were discussing before Mm-mm-mm. i think after this record it's about the time where albert hammond had to kind of go away and like you know he had like some addiction like so many like addiction problems and like he had to go away and deal with that so Mm-mm-mm. it was i think their personal lives have had been affected so much by being in one of the most famous bands in the world yeah 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 that they just kind of they just kind of had to go away for a bit and yeah, i think yeah, they did really yeah. well in doing so after this record because mm, mm. uh, i mean this is 2013 and the next work the next thing that we're going to listen to is 2016 but they did not tour this record so that's like three years completely off crazy um crazy. so which i think did them really well yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. when they came back after that it was amazing um, well this is it so so we're moving on to um this uh ep it's called future past uh sorry future present past um, it's just four tracks, um, but as you mentioned before, it was uh, it was released under Cult Records, right? Which yeah, is it, that's Julian Casablanca's uh, label. Mm. So I think it was a yeah, again, it's, it's a very The Strokes punky move, isn't it? I mean, it's it's it feels like a natural move though. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, it, this you know they come back from finally being released from from their situation with RCA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're finally at a point where you know they can they can take back ownership and take back complete control over over their sound who it is like you know you're not listening to opinions from people that that don't care about your music yeah absolutely this was this was just the band doing what they wanted to do yeah, and actually yeah. i remember it at the time when this came out 2016 i was already a big strokes fan obviously and uh, i perfectly remember when this came out everyone's comment was like oh my god this is the strokes again like mm, it sounds mm. like the strokes again um and it's almost like they by going away and actually being completely burnt out and probably not talking to each other for a couple of years, they kind of came back and and came up with with this EP. It's really it's three songs and a remix, so it's like it's really just kind of like you you know it's really three three new tracks really. For sure, for sure. Um, and but one of them especially Oblivious, which is the one that everyone loved. Mm. As soon as I heard it, I was like, oh my god, they're back, and it mm. feels so good. And the fact mm. that they were doing it independently is this is the first time that actually the Strokes were an indie band. If you if you for sure if you, for sure if, you know if you can call them that like. Which is funny because they like the, you know, uh, epiphany of indie music, but they were actually never indie. Like, you know, yeah, they, they yeah, were yeah, always signed yeah. to a major label. So 
this is the only time in their career that they've actually released music under just their own label. Crazy. Um, and yeah, and then they went to a really cool place after this, I think. So, um, and I, I get a feeling that they started liking each other again. Yeah, well, it, I, I feel like I feel like you know ownership. We've seen it so many times with so many other bands and stuff. Like the moment you essentially you get rid of the people in between you and the music you like as the artist as the band and what it is that you're putting out um you know the sooner you do that the sooner you actually you you learn to find things that you love about it again you know and you don't have people just spouting opinions about anything that just distract you from from you know what what it is that that you actually enjoy in that process and then in, in, in the creation of yeah whatever it is that you're making, which is really cool. Um, Absolutely. Great that that's like a textbook, you know, example of that because, you know, there's, there's, I don't, there's no real, I don't know. I mean, Frank Ocean's an obvious choice in my, my head of like um, an example of that, but you know, like so many, you know, 2016 feels like such a big year for ownership where, you know, that was where Frank released Blonde independently and, and, you know, it, it, it's amazing to see a band like the Strokes who have existed for so long, you know, adapt into that landscape and kind of, you know, almost like, you know, it's reinvention, but also like getting back to the roots of who they are. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool. Definitely. Cause that's, that's how it all started really for them. It was, yeah, yeah. it was, I mean, if you remember that kind of thing we we're talking about before with, with is the set where they were like, the label was like, this sounds really bad. And they were like, Nope. This is what we're putting out. Yeah, yeah. It's like kind of, I think they lost that over the years a little mm, bit, and they mm. kind of lost that kind of will, even like that willingness to like fight against the label and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the fact that they, yeah, they they took they took control, you know, and, and sure. this was their project again. Um, yeah, it's just really cool that they did that. Amazing, cool. Well, this is Oblivious from from that EP. Like a fuck, fuck, think like a shit 
that's a stroke's ending that is a stroke's that's ending. a stroke's ending that, that, that's pretty cool um yeah so that was that was oblivion um and that leads us to the current phase of the strokes i suppose um, it does which is very cool like you know having been like really appreciated the last album that they released um that came out in 2020 um you can definitely hear in that track sort of the direction and where it was headed mm-hmm. um super interesting as, as you just mentioned uh the this album was produced by rick rubin um yeah. super minimalist mm. um when it comes to production and yeah he's someone that, that very much you know based off of like everything that we just talked about of you know like rediscovering the sound and what it was that they're actually trying to achieve and stuff it makes perfect sense to be working with someone like rick rubin because he that that's his focus you know that's that's the main mm. thing that he he really really wants to to nail when he when he captures a record um and yeah no super cool record i'm i'm super excited to dive into a couple of tracks yeah this is well it was it was it was it's just such an important record in my opinion i mean mm. rick rubin is i heard someone say i think they said something like he's the responsible for you liking the music you like mm. even mm, though you mm, don't mm. know it yeah absolutely he's absolutely. the cause that he is the he is that like he made you like the music you like uh, mm, the general mm, public that mm, is mm. uh so obviously you know legendary producer and i can really imagine the strokes in the studio and rick ruben walks in apparently during the sessions like he would he would tell the strokes you need to be there at, say like at 10 in the morning and he would leave them by the like by themselves for a couple of hours just jamming in the studio mm. um and they had to try basically the strokes got to the studio right and they were like okay we've got these songs we know how to make a record mm-hmm, right this mm-hmm, is our six mm-hmm. sixth album we know how to make a record we've got the songs we've written the songs let's record them i really was like no that's not how this is going to work he was like every day we're going to try something new so every day you have to try and write a new song mm-hmm. so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a couple of hours in the morning you can jam it out but every day when i come into the studio i want to hear something we new that i haven't heard before yeah 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 I mean, if it's I amazing. were, you know, if I were the Strokes, I'm like, what are you saying? Like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm the biggest band <laughs> in the world. Like, you can't say that to me. You know, yeah, that's yeah, not how yeah, we yeah, make yeah, records. Yeah. But obviously they trust Rick Rubin because obviously he's who he is. It's Rick Rubin. Yeah. It's Rick Rubin. So like, there's actually like a couple of songs on this record that weren't recorded, like weren't written before they went into the studio. They just mm, kind mm, of, mm. they came up with them this way, mm. um, which I think is a really nice way to put your head in that kind of space. Uh, in the morning, just before you start recording, Absolutely. You, you try and come up with something new. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's there's a lot of special things about this record. I think um, you know there's you know Rick Rubin producing it. It came in 2020 in the middle of mm. you know in the middle of the pandemic and all of that. And I think it helped a lot of people. And it kind of I mean I remember perfectly listening to it like the, the mid at midnight when it came out. Mm, mm, mm. Um, I listened to it start to finish twice. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, this is just gonna save my lockdown. Like, mm, <laughs> like it was, mm, and I, I, I can I can. I think a lot of people felt that way. They also did this kind of podcast where like they would go on YouTube and like the, the entire band would go on YouTube and just chat for like cool. a couple of hours every week just right. and, and answering questions from fans and stuff like that. And you can see the banter between them as well. Like you can really see in those podcasts that they like each other again. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. you can hear that in the record. There's a couple of moments where they talk to each other mm, in the studio mm, and that's mm. recorded, that's in the songs. And it's like, oh, they're, they're talking to each other again. They're like, mm. they're, they're getting along, you know? And, and mm. I think that really, that's really reflected in, in the way the record sounds. Well, we're going to finish up uh, this week's episode uh, with uh, the title track of the, um, the, the first track on the album. Um, it's probably the track that people would know off of TikTok. Obviously, it was huge. It's amazing to see like uh, a track from a band like The Strokes, you know, still resonate with, with the younger audience and and in you know be be so present in popular culture um but yeah i mean this has been 
off the record um thank you so much carlos for coming on thank you for having me Um, i had the best time and yeah um this album is definitely worth checking out but uh we're gonna wrap up on this track this is called the adults are talking i've been james collins i've been carlos de santos and it's been off the record this is the adults are talking (laughs) 